Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio. Your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 18 in our 2023 NHL Draft Review of the Metro Division, powered by Instat Hockey. Often the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. And Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. So Brad and I are going to start off with the New York Islanders in the first segment. And they didn't have a first-round pick because they traded away. And didn't have a third round pick because they traded it away. And they didn't have a six and seven. Because they, well, wait a minute. No, they did. That's right. So they didn't have some early picks. First and third. So let's talk about their second round pick in Danny Nelson, who for them went 49th overall. I thought he'd go a little bit higher. Uh, but, you know, thoughts overall on him as a kid? Because we have to remember, <clears throat> he hasn't even turned 18 yet. He hasn't turned 18 until he's in August. So he's still very young. But a big, massive kid, 6'3", well over 210 pounds. Um, thoughts on him and what he did at the program. Uh, and then he's moving on. And I thought he did, he played well at the U18s. And he's moving on to the University of Notre Dame. Yeah, big big power forward with good shot quality. Uh, I thought his curve was very impressive. So at the start of the season, I thought he was uh, a little delayed within his reads and just how he thought the game and how he put himself in position. His, I thought his spatial awareness was kind of mixed and he didn't really know how to incorporate his frame into his offense. And as the season progressed, I thought he improved on all fronts. I thought he was making plays faster. He was more comfortable. He adapted to the pace of play at the USHL level. Um, he became one of those very important complementary secondary contributors on the program. And I, and as you mentioned, I thought he was very good at the U18s. So, you know, the caveat with that is you got to be very careful how you weight the U18s this season. I, I you know, when I was over there talking to a lot of NHL staff and scouts, like we no Russians. No Russia, no very Belarus. Very universal, very yeah. universal in the fact that this was the weakest U18s in ages because of, as you just said, no Russia, no Belarus. It just, it's you'll be very, very careful how you weight that tournament this this year. So um, that said, he was he was very good there, and he was very good leading up to it, which uh, which bolsters him a little bit. Um, but he's a very well-rounded player. He plays a 200 foot game. He has attention to detail. He's a player who works really well along the walls when you project him long term. He has range he has size his hands are slick so it's one of those situations where he should be very good at, at board battling and and winning in puck battle situations and using his hands in tight to skates to to grab pucks and get them moving back to the point start setting up plays he's one of those players where because his sense of timing improved you can envision him being a player where he makes simplistic passing plays and then puts himself in positions where he's doing drive-by redirects and and tip-ins and jamming goals and uh one thing that i really like about him uh, just for a little bit of a contrast here, one player we'll be talking about uh, uh, soon is uh, Ethan Goche out of Tampa that they drafted. One big difference, they both play an honest, hardworking game, and they both are expected to be complementary pieces. But one big difference is that Goche is much more net front, where Danny Nelson showed very impressive shot quality. And so when it when it comes to these complementary type of players, what you really want is you want a player who, who has uh, more versatility within his offensive attack with his goal scoring. And that's where Danny Nelson really shows some projectability. Uh, I think one of the main reasons that David Edstrom probably went significantly higher than Danny Nelson, um, just for a bit of a contrast, because they're both 6'2", 6'3", project to be uh, power, power forwards that um, – 
bring a complementary component could be net front presence. Uh, is David Edstrom's a primary playmaker where Danny Nelson isn't? So Edstrom's the one who showed the better playmaking rates, and typically that's that's what you go for is the better playmaker. Um, so if Danny Nelson has another level to his playmaking we haven't seen, that could go a really long way in determining if he's actually a center long-term or winner. I think that's still up for debate. And I know internally with our staff and just talking to some NHL scouts that that was the debate as well as some of them saw him as maybe a potential long-term 3C, while others thought he was going to be a winger long-term. It'll be interesting to see. One of the things that I take into consideration when you're ranking players is where they're going. Like, what's the next developmental step? And he's going to Notre Dame. Notre Dame plays a very structured game. Uh, they push playing a 200-foot game. You know, defense is a primary concern. Like, you can't play there without, you know, being cognizant of what you're doing defensively. And I think long-term, that's going to help him. Like, even if he just plays two years there, I think it's going to help round out his game. And then maybe it's an opportunity for him to, you know, play a little bit more in terms of a playmaking style. Just because when you kind of get, like we talked about before, you get caught between or behind any of those big top six forwards in the program, your opportunities are so small in terms of making plays because you're asked to play a role. And so I want to see if his role expands and then he gets to experimental level at a little bit at the college level in that respect. Yeah. It's, it's one of those situations where, as you mentioned, he's very young and usually what that means, there, there's a reason that scouts really hone in on, on uh, players that uh, are not late birthdays. That's because there's more room to grow, not just physically, but within their actual skill set and their game. Uh, if, if I showed you, what some of these players that are September births that are the youngest in the draft look like next season, it's night and day, right? It, it, and not just from a physical perspective. Usually they incorporate a piece of offense you don't expect. Um, so it's, it's one of those situations where if Danny Nelson uh, can really hold a center position, then this could be a home run pick for the Islanders to get him at 49. If you can get a, a really high quality 200 foot third line center at 49th overall, that's a heck of a pick. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. When we return, we'll talk about the New York Rangers prospects right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. 
contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back for our 2023 NHL draft review of the Metro Division, powered by Instat Hockey, often the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. So we're going to talk about the New York Rangers prospects at first in first round, 23rd overall is Gabe Perot. I know many people were you know, out in the public sphere were screaming that he should have been drafted sooner, but that's the challenge when you have a guy who's immensely talented in terms of his puck skills and his hockey sense, but he's not fast and he's a small forward. And how many small forwards that don't skate well, even though they're skilled playing the NHL, will he be the exception? There are exceptions, but I understand why teams look at that risk and go, can't afford to take him above 15, the 15 slot or the 20 slot because they just, they're uncomfortable with the risk. And it's funny because if you look at the percentage and probability of success, it actually drops at 23. So once you get to 22, 23 to like 30 or 32 starts to drop pretty significantly. So I'm curious, I'm crossing my fingers for the kid. Great kid, great skills. Um, will be fabulous to watch. I just, I don't know how much stronger he's going to get. And he doesn't exactly have the biggest legs. He kind of like got chicken legs. So I don't know how much more speed he's going to add to that, to that frame, you know, and how much foot speed he's going to be able to create time and space for himself. Cause that's what he's going to need to do. So thoughts on him. Cause he can't deny everything else. He can't deny his hockey sense. Can't deny his puck skills. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to bring up his, his frame. I, I have a lot of debates with people about this, about just like how finished a player can be at 18. Like this is the way, so I used to be a strength and conditioning coach. And so I've kind of seen all body shapes, you know, a lot of different, different kids coming up different ages. I'll I'll say this, like I've never seen a kid not be able to really improve his, both of his static strength and power output by a significant margin at 18. I've never, the only time, where legitimately I can ever think of an athlete that's like that was Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was 200 pounds of muscle at 12 years old. Yeah. So that's a freak anomaly. That's, there's a reason Mike Tyson's Mike Tyson. He's an anomaly. Like I, you know, I, I have heard NHL scouts have told me that they have drafted kids who functionally do not improve at all with their strength or power output from their draft year. And they said that they were in programs. They said they trained. Unless there's some sort of genetic condition or something, they're doing, I, I'll be honest, so, I, they're doing wrong. something wrong. Yeah, something is very wrong to me. So when when I, I know, for instance, one of the reasons Barlow dropped is very likely because a lot of teams thought he was finished or close to the finished product, much closer to the finished product than a lot of these other kids. 
I don't think that's like Colby Barlow. I, I think is just still scratching the surface, honestly, relative to what some NHL staff was saying. He doesn't have he his looks man, older. He doesn't have his man strength he, yet. He, he doesn't, doesn't have it. exactly that. He does, he's he's still a kid. Yeah. I, I think there's another totally different level to Colby Barlow at the NHL. I, I think I have this internal debate all the time with our uh, uh, my own staff that, that I'm on. You know, me and Mark Edwards and me always go back and forth on this uh, as well because he used to coach. He used to see kids not really develop their strength. Um, because I came from the, the the strength world, at least in a little bit of a capacity, I, I'm, I'm telling I, I I've seen night and day differences for the vast majority of clients. If it's done properly, if it's done properly. So when you look at a gay pro, this goes back to, to, to pro, uh, you're dealing with a remarkable talent. He just broke the program record. He's one of the most intelligent players in the draft. So the only thing that missing that's missing is the only thing that he theoretically should be able to improve. And that's his skating base and his functional strength. This is not a player. So one thing too, is I, I feel like, um, you, you have to weight this attribute correctly. Meaning when when you look at a player like David Edstrom or Danny Nelson, we just talked about, you have to weight their physical output a lot heavier than you do for Gabe Perot because of the style of play they have to. 100%. They have to win board battles. They have to be dangerous net front presences and create chaos. They have to force weighted minutes on defense. They have to be really frustrating for defensemen to hold and box out net front. That's not Gabe Perot's game. His Gabe game is to, is to dance around – yeah, he's the dance around him. He's a dancer. Yeah. He's he's elusive, he's evasive, he's remarkably deceptive. He just needs to be able to absorb contact without getting hurt. That's yeah. it. If he can do that, the rest of his game should come together. So it's one of those situations where you know, and this happens every draft, right? There's brilliant players that drop and it's it's not because of any one thing. It's just that's just the way it goes. There's a certain type of player that a team wants they grab that player and then a brilliant player falls as a result of that. I feel like New York had that happen. They, they had the most dynamic, the most intelligent player fall directly in their lap that was available by a mile. And then they get to, to reap the rewards. And we're going to see, um, I'm crossing my fingers for the kid because we need as much skill in the league as possibly can, but we can't forget it's a man's league and in the playoffs. It's a perfect example of that. Yeah, you know, those skilled, smaller players that are not that fast. Some of them can survive, but it's uh, it's ugly in the playoffs. So, as well, let's probably uh, quickly talk about Drew uh, Fortescue, a defenseman. Thoughts on him? You know, I thought you know at ninety, that was a guy that it was just sort of a, a safe, vanilla. Not being mean, it's just that's what he is: defensive defenseman. And is he a guy that you can get a copy co- cup of coffee with? Could you get him fifty to one hundred fifty games out of him? Because if that's the case for the New York Rangers, then that's a valued pick. I think sometimes people don't recognize how much value that is to have guys that you can bring up and down into your lineup because at the trade deadline, what does every team go after depth defensemen? Okay. I mean, they're, they have value, particularly ones that have like been brought up through your system from that respect thoughts on him overall. There's no such thing as having too much defensive depth. That's that's part of it. You just, so the other part is like, even though Gabe Perot fell to them, he still has risk. A tremendous amount of risk attached yeah. to him, right? Just because of the nature of the player. So what they, I think the Rangers attempted to do was find a player, and don't get me wrong, every player after, you know, as you said, 23 is really risky. But the type of player that Fort, Fortescue could end up is, as you mentioned, a, a bread and butter shutdown defenseman who has vanilla, but the right type of vanilla, right? Little vanilla bean 
put into his game, meaning just just enough to hold defensively, shut down uh, teams' top line. The, the thing I like about Fordescu is that when you look at his base and his frame and his skating combination, it's pretty impressive, right? The, the base, the raw base is already there. Uh, I thought he improved throughout the, the season. I actually really like some of his performances as U18s. Um, it's one of those situations where when you're looking to shut down capacity, the, it's always, always leads back to the exits, always the retrieval rates, right? That's yeah. going to be everything for him. If he can, if he can find his outs, get comfortable with a higher pace of play and, and make small area plays happen very quickly, then he should be able to potentially become a bottom pairing defenseman and one that insulates a, a more mobile active defender. Um, but it, it's one of those situations where he was actually a relatively rare type of player in that range. There actually wasn't just defensive in general. By the time that the Rangers pick got to got to pick him, there wasn't, there wasn't a, a lot of guys left over. No, yeah. Hey. So that, that that presented less like less risk relative to some of these other kids we'll talk about, like Dale Karpovich, for instance, taking the sixth round. We'll talk about tremendous risk, but in the yeah. sixth round, absolutely why not? High upside pick, right? Wow. Um, and Drew doesn't fall in that category. He's more low upside, but a little safer. Yeah, for me, it's, as long as he can, he recognizes and remembers every moment he's on the ice that his first option is going to be his best option, you're going to be okay. Just don't get fancy, ever, right? Other people will be there to, to help you out. That's what you have their other teammates for that are better with the puck. And he just got to play his game, and he should be fine in that respect. Brad and I are going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio on our 2023 NHL Draft Review of the Metro Division. Next up, we'll talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development 
concessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back for our 2023 NHL draft review of the Central Division, brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting through an integrated series of best business practices. They design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Next on the docket is the Columbus Blue Jackets, who took Adam Fentilli at number three overall. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about this player, but I think what there's there's an element that he brings to the Columbus Blue Jackets that I think the organization needs and the fans need is they need somebody with a little bit of piss and vinegar in their game. Guy who plays a game with his hair on fire is a guy who plays with a lot of energy and a lot of pace and is charismatic off the ice and that fans are going to engage with in that respect. Now, that doesn't those are all extras. Obviously, I mean, sure, you got you need to look at the hockey sense, puck skills, skating ability, size, shooting, passing, all those other things are obviously vitally important. But I really like his character and his, you know, mental, emotional approach, not only to himself, but to the game. And I think that's going to help him move forward from that respect. So thoughts on, you know, him as an overall player. And we've discussed his, you know, strengths and weaknesses many times. But I think Columbus should be pretty happy about getting Fantilli. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I I do prefer Leo Carlson, which I've mentioned many many times on the show. But uh, first of all, Adam Fatili is a phenomenal player. Like let me make no mistake here, Columbus just got a phenomenal phenomenal talent. Uh, just because I think he's more optimal to be a winger doesn't mean he can't play center. So that's one thing I probably honestly should have distinguished in my past discussions. And then because I have had some people come back to me and be like, you really don't think he can play center? That, that's not what I'm saying. I think he will optimally play on the wing. I think hundred percent Columbus is going to put him at center. Yeah, uh, We'll see. And I've been wrong. Right. So I'm even being, I make mistakes. So we'll see um, how he performs at the NHL level next year at center. I am very interested to see how that, that looks. I did not think Cole Sillinger was going to be a center. I thought Cole Sillinger was going to be destined for the wing. Well, look what happened. Some right? people didn't think uh, Dubois was going to be a center either. Yeah, they're, they're, it's, right. it's, it's difficult. It is yeah. difficult to project in some cases in the draft season. Um, so the, the thing with Adam Fentilli that he really brings to Columbus, and Columbus really needs it, and that's an insurgence of just raw energy. They yeah. needed a show-stopping player. And admittedly, Leo Carlson, more cerebral, calculated. He'll take you out of your seats with some just unbelievable plays and how dynamic he is. He doesn't bring the same amount of energy that Fentili brings to the table. That's one of the fundamental differences between the two of them. Fentili's compete level is absolutely off the charts. I, I, you know, one quote uh, Mark took out of the book while I'll mention on air is, you know, we, we, we drink water and Fentili drinks fire. Okay. This, this, this kid is just a different level of energy and it's contagious. It's, it's one of those situations where he's going to bring, you know, how Vancouver's franchise, felt flat and then Elias Patterson came into it. And there was this invigorate. You could feel it. You could feel the atmosphere shift immediately yeah. when Elias Patterson came. That actually happened when they got Ryan Kessler. Ryan Kessler yeah. brought a level yeah. of energy. See, I would like almost personality wise, uh Carlson similar to the twins and Kessler similar to the Fantilli. And he just brought a different element that was needed. You gotta have somebody or at least a couple guys on your team that are going to drag you into the fight whether you want to go or not. You're coming. Um, and, I, and I think he's going to be able to do that. 
And I think a lot of that will help make up for some other, you know, deficiencies that he'll get better at, uh, you know, throughout his career. And he's self-aware, so he understands what he needs to work on. And not all centermen have to be primary playmakers to be successful. You don't have to be. Kessel wasn't a primary playmaker at all. He's a primary shooter. But he had the speed to be able to defend and to be able to match up and had physicality and had some, you know, fire in his game. So, you know, I think Fantilli would be able to bring some similar elements to that, but with a higher offensive ceiling. Yeah, the the, the offensive ceiling... I think it is slightly limited by the hockey sense, right? Just like I thought for Byfield, Alex Newhook, there's these these remarkably talented players. And in the case of Newhook, who brings a very similar energy and and does skate circles around players at times, there's a bit of uh, similarity there with Fantilli. I'm not saying they're the same players. Am I wrong? Fantilli's a more dynamic player, and I project him to definitely be the better uh, better scorer in the NHL of the two. It's just... Um, when, when you look at his long-term upside, I think he, like, I rarely do this, but I'll just cap him out right now for you. I think he's one of those 50 penalty minute players a year, 250 hits, 60 blocks, 40 goals, 35, 40 assists. He's about, you know, 75, 80 point player in his prime. who's yeah. an incredibly dangerous power play weapon. Um, and, and that's how I envision him. Some people think he's a hundred, 110, 120 point player. And uh, that's where the discrepancy comes into play. Right. And I don't, I agree. I don't think so either, but that difference of 20 points with all the other things he's going to bring to the game easily make up for it it. easily makes up for it. Right. Because I'll take that going into the playoffs. He he has an incredible ancillary skill set. That secondary component means that when he's not scoring, it doesn't matter. He brings so much. One thing about him that we should mention is that because of how he's, he's, he's a very good skater, very explosive skater. Mechanically, there's a bit of refinement to be done. And if he can get that refinement, the amount of pressure he forces on opposing teams is daunting. Yeah. It's just the amount of pressure off the forecheck, the back check, when he's trying to defend at the line. Like I, I mentioned this before, he reacts a little too much instead of reading the play at times. But when he reacts, he really reacts. He's coming right at you. So it's one of those situations where just the amount of pressure that he generates is extremely important for his line. When you look at some of his teammates that he's coming in to, to play with, if you look at Patrick Line, Kirill Marchenko, Tyler Johnson, they're not great pressure generators. That's not what they are. No. Uh, they're very impressive in their own right. They have their own skill sets. But that, that's why I feel like Adam Fatili is such a good fit for Columbus. And I think it will really help alleviate Cole Sillinger as well. It will give Cole Sillinger an opportunity to breathe here and really start developing again. Let's talk about Gavin Brindley, his teammate at Michigan, who Columbus took at 34th overall. Uh, you know, the, the crazy thing is, when I look at his, when I looked at him in terms of his his body at the combine, I'm like the kid has some. Sim- he's not obviously quite as big as Marty uh, Marty St. Louis was because he's still 18 years of age, but he's got a little bit of that Marty St. Louis Theo Fleury. He's short at five nine, but he is built like a fire hydrant. His legs and his core are massive, so you know that's going to certainly help him. I'm not concerned about him being five nine. Because he has so many other elements that are going to help him turn into an NHL player. And I think it was just a nice touch. I mean, I don't think it was obviously intentional. It just happened to go that way that Brinley is, you know, going to join, you know, Fantilli with Columbus. But I think Brinley brings them a little bit more that type of energy to their lineup as well. You know, once he turns pro and gets into the lineup, uh, I like his energy as well. He's got that Martin St. Louis 
uh, uh, physical quality to him. I, another player I'll, I'll, I'll shout out to um, came through London system, been more old school reference. Chris D'Souza, very similar build yeah. to Chris D'Souza. D'Souza's five eight, but he's built like a fire hydrant, quad dominant to say the least, right? So that that's Brinley. Uh, Brinley brings a tremendous amount of energy that's similar to Fentili. Unbelievable competitor. Uh, I mentioned this before. I feel there's a bit of Frank Nazar in him, meaning. Uh, I am a bit worried about his how high octane he is with how small he he is. So he's gonna have to, there's going to have to be a, a balancing act for him long term when he's in the NHL uh, about just how willing he is to physically initiate at the speed he operates at. Um, so that that's a bit of it. for me, Brinley. I'll say something you probably haven't heard of before, but I, I really believe this. So I'll say I think he's one of the more improved players in this draft. I thought he was very poor to start the season. It's not talked about publicly very often. Maybe I'm the one who's wrong here, but I thought his leading playmaking, I thought his playmaking timing, his stretch playing was all off. I thought he was terrible at passing the puck early in the year. And that really mattered to me because he's not a very gifted shooter. So if he's not passing the puck at a high rate, I have very little time for it. You get fast forward to just before the U20s and into the U20s, then you started seeing his game come together. He started really um, uh, dialing his game in, showing more consistency, much better playmaking and passing rates. And um, and and then that just continued right through. Um, he's, he's a complimentary player, but he's a complimentary player in the way Oliver Moore is, meaning there is driving potential in certain areas of the ice at certain times. So for instance, neutral zone entry rates per 60, he theoretically should be able to uh, have an, a pretty impressive rate relative to what you would perceive as a complement to a line. Uh, his driving potential below the goal line, much like Oliver Moore, oh. right? Uh, he has the potential to drive possession at times because of his, his skating base and the fact that he has a lower center of gravity. You know, the, the hallmark for this player is Sidney Crosby, right? Sidney Crosby yeah. gets so low to the ice. He's so powerful with his lower half. You can push him, knock on him, you do whatever you want. Nothing's happening. Yeah. Nothing's happening. So if Gavin Brindley can get there, then Gavin Brindley is going to have a very similar element to Oliver Moore, except I, you can make an argument that he's even a better playmaker than Oliver Moore, right? Oliver Moore is a better shooter, mechanically more gifted yeah. shooter. But you and 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 an even better skater than Brinley, but the the way that they play Brinley Brinley has the potential to be a very useful player. Um, it comes down to injury risk and it comes down to uh, it just just his physical growth rate, making sure that lower center of gravity holds when he's going to get weight on because it's inevitable he will be. But uh, very interesting pick. You know that the you could see the theme with Columbus is speed, which yeah. uh, and that brings us to William Whitelaw, right? So. William Whitelaw is is a player that's not so dissimilar to Brindley in some some ways. Smaller player, extremely gifted in terms of athleticism, explosiveness, big and, body uh, for a short guy. Well, he's he's very tenacious and yeah. he's inside driven despite being out muscled a lot. And so it's going to come down again to injury risk and be able to balance that. Um, I, I'll, perp I'll I'll admit I really really good shooter too. He, shoot he can shoot a puck, mechanically very gifted shooter. I really liked him in Shattuck's system. I'll be honest, I didn't love his season this year, uh, but I at least understand, like, you you look at what Columbus is doing. There was a theme there, right? Yeah. Like, you see in the top three, like, all speed, all tenacity, tons of energy, all inside driven, right? There was a, there was a well, huge theme there. It completely complements the three players that you mentioned prior that are currently on Columbus's Columbus's roster. These three players, when they come in and eventually play, there's a balance between that. 
Like there's a roster construction balance, not just on, you know, the types of players, but the stylistically, it gives you a better balance in that because you can't have so much. You can't have all guys that are running around with their hair on fire because it's just it's not conducive to winning. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's William Whitelaw's weakness. And that as he develops into a pro, that's what he has to learn how to rein in. He he can play uh, too fast and he'll he fails as a result to to mentally map the ice and and sometimes he has tunnel vision. He doesn't he doesn't see the unfolding play as it's happening because if his skating and determination and willingness to use his handling and just go through players, it it's it forces him into a tunnel. So he needs to expand out allow his game to breathe a bit more. If he can do that, then he could be a very useful uh, player for Columbus long-term. And just to your point, you look at what they brought in with these smaller energy players and then Fentili. Well, they have Krill, Dzenkov, and then Dmitry Voronkov developing. Those are monsters. Well, Voronkov is coming in next season. So if Voronkov and Fentili can actually play in that lineup full-time immediately, and then you see what Columbus brought in the back end, it's a very different-looking team uh, coming in next year. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We'll be back for segment four right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. 
It's Hockey Prospect Radio and our 2023 NHL Draft Review of the Metro Division brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting through an integrated series of best business practices. They design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. We're going to now talk about the Washington Capitals draft. I always find them fascinating. They've had a crew together for a long time. So sometimes it's easier to have an understanding what kind of players and which round and which area and who's left over that they're going to target. You know, the longer a group is together, you know, they leave breadcrumbs for you to try to figure out. Uh, I'm not terribly surprised and they, nobody should be surprised. They took Ryan Leonard because you look at his game and I think he's a long-term replacement for TJ Osio. They're not exactly the same player, but I think they bring certain elements to the organization that you have to have to win. And I'm looking at it from the mental side, the emotional side and the, willingness to battle you know Oshi was always there and getting his nose dirty and getting his nose in where it didn't belong whether you know you liked it or not and I think Leonard has that element as well and we can talk about all his skill sets but to me I really focus on the mental and emotional part of a player because that those attributes are not entirely set in stone but it gives you an indicator of what they're going to be when they're adults yeah, one of the highest floor and ceiling ratio to ceiling ratio players in the draft. Yeah. Like bonafide floor is a nine. Ceiling, you could argue maybe seven. Some some people might argue an eight. Uh, he is, uh, for me, one of those jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none player, but very good, very, very well-rounded, and uh, way above average in almost every category when you, when you really break them down. Uh, there's almost no inherent weakness in this game. That's very, very okay. rare to discuss about an 18 year old kid playing hockey, right? So I, I mean, I'm a, we're scouts. Like my job is to legitimately just nitpick these kids into oblivion by the damn point of a season. <laughs> Ryan Leonard, it's very difficult to really dislike any one element to his game. The, you know, it's uh, he's a gifted shooter. He has one of those uh, almost Phil Kessel type of releases where he's very quick, very quick snapshot. Uh, it's very difficult to read his blade angling because he remains very static within his setup and then out of nowhere yeah. it's off his stick. Um, and I felt he improved over the course of the season. Uh, you know, there, there's a, when a player relies heavy, heavily on angular shifts, sun angular shifts or uh, extended drag, drag and release shots, uh, th- usually there's a higher rate of accuracy, um, but they, the, the goalies can start learning how to read, read their uh, release point more easily. There's more of a telegraphed uh, component, um, which is very interesting with Leonard because of how accurate he is for how he shoots. Uh, so that that was, so, and I'll be honest with you, at the beginning portion of the season, I thought oh, he was missing a lot of open opportunities. So I was, I was very confused on what was going on with his, because his mechanically, I really liked his shot, but he was, he was either shooting uh, crest or just missing open nets at times. It was very strange. So um, by the end of the season, though, he cleaned all that up. And, and really started looking like a, a bonafide dual threat, uh, which brings me to the playmaking element. Uh, he's a very gifted playmaker. And so when you have a natural dual threat who skates extremely well and he has a physical element, there's a lot of hard skill developed into his game. And he is very similar to Fantilli in the sense we just discussed his ancillary skill set, having that secondary component. Well, he has that. So he can forecheck, he can backcheck, he can win board battles, he can drive possession through the neutral zone, he can drive possession down low. He can he pass, can shoot, skate. Front. He can pass, shoot, skate. So there's everything. He can do everything. Now, what's really unique about that, though, is in with most prospects, when you have everything, usually what happens is prospects have a very difficult time understanding how to leverage those advantages at this age. And that's not been the case either. 
Yeah. He seems to just really have a, a knack and understanding of how to operate and be successful already. So that's why his floor is so high. Uh, if there is any component that really shaves him down from maybe becoming a first line forward, I, I think it's that uh, it's how he thinks the game. He is a bit streamlined with his thought process. He's not as dynamic or creative as Will Smith or Gabe Pearl. That how, much is that, those, how much is that is based on because he's playing with those two players well, in the environment right. where That's he has it. to he has to compliment like he's smart enough to understand this is what I need to do to compliment my line mates. That's exactly right. We'll, we'll find that out when he hits college. Right. Is it the byproduct of the system in his line? Right, mates but they're, they're going to be playing again together. That's true. Yeah, we might right. not find that out, honestly, until he gets to Hershey. <laughs> Or, or, you know, you start seeing development camp and everything else. Right, yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it's interesting. It, it is the interesting debate, though. That's the debate. How much creativity is there? How dynamic is he relative to his teammates? And as you mentioned, is part of it the fact he reined it in because he knew he had to be more of the Swiss Army knife calculated player that did the dirty work, that made sure that the support was on display for his defense when, when it was necessary. You know, he, he was first to try to stay above the puck. He's always first to try to come back. So well, I should say always, but you, you know what I mean? He tried. He's a very well-rounded 200-foot player that really cares. So um, it's one of those situations where Washington gets, again, one of the highest four players in the draft. It leads into what they did after right we talk about draft strategy if you take arguably the safest player in the draft what does it allow you an opportunity to do swing for the fences people swing and they the did fence, it close and, those eyes and swing yeah <laughs> and that's that's andrew crystal in a nutshell and that was the conversation at the draft uh consistently going into the first round and then after the first round amongst uh media scouts it was really about andrew crystal and it's like and i just i asked i asked the question how many guys that are small and skilled, but not good skaters that you see in the NHL and and thrive in the playoffs, right? And it's nothing against a player. It's just, that's a fact. It's a fact. So it's part of the, I think it's the main reason why he ended up dropping out of the first round. And for Washington, good on them. Why not swing for the fences at that point? It's 40th. You're at the 40th pick in the draft. Swing away. Yeah, so Andrew Crystal probably the most polarizing player in this class. Um, I agree. At least one of them. Yeah. Um, unbelievably talented player. Unbelievably talented. Uh, yeah, when this kid's playing up to his potential, his top, when his peak performances were legitimately some of the best I saw out of any player this year. By, and, and that's really saying something. I, I, am, I have to sweep everything. I see a whole lot of players. So really, really impressive. My problem, though, is they were in November. So as he continued to progress, the curve not only flatlined, it went backwards. He, 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 he crashed and burned by the end of this in the year. Uh, obviously, what that means for Washington is they're not banking on this season uh, showcasing what he could truly be, which is completely fair. Uh, the skating I th- is, I thought, he is played, I thought he played two minutes. To, to talk about him burning, I thought he played too many minutes at Christmas time and down the stretch towards the playoffs. I thought he played too many minutes. It's a good point. And and one of the major reasons it's a good point is because when you look at uh, a smaller uh, forward who doesn't skate well, it means the condition will play a factor. The less efficient a skater is in their draft season, more, the more likely they are to lose energy as the season progresses. It is something absolutely needs to be uh, taken into consideration. The, 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 there's two fundamental issues, though. Uh, one is there's there were staffs that believed that his skating base was not correctable. I don't know. I, I can say I, I, I think I know skating well, but I'm not a skating expert by any stretch. So it's one of those situations where I, I understand that 
so for instance, with Crystal, you're talking about a five, nine and a half, five, ten kid who lacks posture, who has rigid shoulder rotation in his upper frame, doesn't get off his center line well. He's short stride relative, he doesn't have long legs, he's it's choppy, he, he lacks extension, it's it, he lacks three-point flexion, he has a bit of ankle eversion. What that means is the ankle version, because his 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 feet uh, flay outward, he's almost always on his inside edge, and you know that because when you watch him play, guess how he tries to compensate when he's in open ice. When he's receiving passes, he's almost always attempting ten to two turns. It's actually very similar to Matthew Mitchkov. Uh, when Matthew Mitchkov's in open ice, he's trying to always accelerate out of the ten to ten to two turn because he's not a very gifted open open ice skater in straight lines. Now the difference, though, and I bring up Matthew Mitchkov for a reason is Matthew Mitchkov can show manipulation on his outside edges. Andrew Crystal doesn't. That's the defining feature. If Andrew Crystal had three point flexion, didn't have ankle eversion, I think he goes way higher. It's because of that. And I'll be honest, I'm not, again, I'm not an expert. I, I, I do what I can each year with, with skating, try to break it down and talk to people who really are experts about it. Um, but, you know, it's one of those situations where you can't just undo somebody's physiology. You know, uh, I mentioned strength and conditioning earlier. The only time I ever had real trouble trying to develop somebody in a weight room was when they were severely knocking because you can't get them to, under a, a squatting rack. You can't get them to deadlift correctly. So they just can't lift as much weight as theoretically somebody who doesn't have the, that, that condition, right? So that that's a, a debate that goes back to the Brent Clark debate with his skate. Right. It goes back to that. It's different, but I'm just trying to give an, ex, an example of another type of skating style that is very hard to mold, hard to modify. So there are people in the street that thought Andrew Crystal's skating style was not – you could not augment it over time, right? Um, that said – Playmaking ability, second to none. We're talking about one of the, the yeah. single most gifted passers in this class. However, his puck management, and it goes back to what you said about conditioning. Down the stretch, his puck management got worse. A part of that could be the fact that he was drained. When you're drained, you're going to be more error prone. When you're more error prone, your puck management goes out the window. That's what we saw. So skating, puck management, and then compete. There were times where this kid was getting hurt. I didn't like his response. When a kid gets physically overwhelmed you want to see some fight you want to see yeah. pushback you want to see vinegar i felt that was a bit flatlined but it goes back to what you said again was part of the fact that he's, he's out of gas he's out, out of gas. gas so i'm sure that that was some of the thought process of what washington was was, was thinking at the time and um, let's put it this way ryan leonard safest pick in the draft andrew crystal biggest boomer bust pick in the draft and that's that's we talk about risk risk within a draft class there you go that's how that's how teams do it if you if you get to draft that safe early it allows you to start swing all right we have about a minute and a half left let's uh, quickly just touch on uh cameron allen because there was a lot of discussion about him going into the draft and i'm just like and i thought you know what do you do with a six foot 195 defenseman 200 pound defenseman right hand shot that really doesn't do anything great but has some competitiveness in him like what does he translate into the nhl i think it's like one of the conversations i had at the draft i'm like this is where i think he's gonna drop because how do you project him into a third pairing role at the nhl level he's an extremely difficult evaluation i'll just say this is a general universal principle one of the most difficult aspects of scouting is trying to identify if the kid's just off his game um, and you're just not going to have the, the the mental qualities you need to see play at the NHL level relative to does he just lack the confidence right now. And, I, and, and for anybody out there who's like, huh, that's interesting, does that really matter or whatever, 
Elias Pedersen season before last when when he was playing um he had a 30 game stretch where he looked nothing like the Elias Pedersen we know then he gets his confidence back you've seen a completely different on ice product Nils Lundqvist after he was drafted in Dallas his plus one season didn't have a good year his confidence was shot that's what he said I wonder if that happened to Cam Allen that's what I want and if it did that means Washington might really have something on their hands that they can develop We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Stay tuned for hour two. We'll talk about Philadelphia next, right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is hour two of our 2023 NHL draft review of the Metro Division and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We're now going to talk about the Philadelphia Flyers and I have not seen a more excited fan base for a seventh round pick, a seventh overall pick in a long time with Philadelphia. They were, the fans were desperate for a potential difference maker. They did not want a safe pick. And I don't look, I don't think Mitchkoff is a risky pick at all, but you know, there was some public perception that he was, and I didn't agree with it. 
but he's a guy who could potentially lift people out of their seats. They needed somebody in their organization that had the dynamic abilities to take over a game. And all of a sudden there's nothing from him. And then in five minutes, he scores two goals, games over Philadelphia wins. That's Mitch Goff. Yeah. So a brilliant talent in some respects, very unique player. I, I yeah. honestly think publicly he's not discussed properly very, very well online. I, I did what I could in the Blackwood, try to break down his game and describe it um, the, the way I saw it. But um, the, the big thing about this kid is that um, I think there's a bit of a misconception still publicly that basically this is the Russian Connor Bedard and any other no. draft he's number one overall or he's the second best player in the draft in terms of talent. I would disagree on, on all fronts. I, I don't think he showcased that he is – near where Connor Bedard ended up in the end of the year. Uh, I thought he had a relatively bad year, to be honest. Um, and, and I mean, that that tells you how talented he is because he broke records in the BHL and KHL for his age. Well, hey, look, so, we got to give this kid some leeway. He went through a lot of tragedy this year. A lot. Well, in March, in March yeah. I certainly didn't wait any of those games, obviously, yeah. to, to, do, to do his father's death. But even well before that, now, I'll, I'll say this. He was uh, decimated by... Alexei Emelin in 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 um, a game in the yeah. BHL and uh, that's a bad injury. He got he got clipped during a ten to two turn and that's that's the something that we should be discussing here. You know, you talk about Andrew Crystal with his ten to two turns. You talk about um, uh, Matthew Mishkov using ten to two turns. Uh, it, it leaves your hip line exposed, and if you get clipped, it can absolutely tear your groin. Right. And if you have a torn groin, you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, and that's what happened with Mitch Kov is he got blown up by Emelin, took him months to come back. Did he even really fully recover the whole year? Did he play partially injured? Right. Uh, so, again, variables. Um, that said, one thing we we were worried about was we, we looked at his skating base. And we're like, this is not good. He opens up a lot. And that means he could get injured. And guess what? He did get injured. So, again, risk. So we're not even factoring in the Russian factor, which – it's there. I don't think it's as prominent as people Thanks. display it is, but it's there. And then you factor in the f- that he is not a gifted skater in some regards. Open ice skating is very limited relative to a lot of these other top end talents. Um, very good edge work, brilliant on his edges at times. Um, it's not he's fleet of foot in small areas, right? He, he has some good elements. When you talk about his peak bar output in open ice, it is below average. I would argue below average. But that can, that can improve because he's an 18-year-old you kid. hope it does. Yeah. He, he, you know, and then it, this goes back to the Gabe Pro situation. Gabe Pro, he was not filled out. So you have some hope there. He can fill out his frame over time. Matthew Mishkos, very well developed. He's already developed well. So you're, you're talking about more in that Colby Barlow territory where he's closer to the finished product. We could debate what that means, but he is closer relative to, to some of these other kids. So – what does that mean? Okay, so let's let's get past the skating because that is the big that was the biggest area of concern. What is he? He's a brilliant technician when it comes to thinking the game in a way that allows him to exploit a goalie with a shot. That's the hallmark. Is when when people are like, well, why 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 is he such a gifted goal scorer? Like, oh, he's the second best shooter in the draft. It's right there with the dart. That's not it. He's shot called. He's not even it's 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 hit and miss. Occasionally he'll wow you with his quality. But it's not the hallmark of shooting. It's not what defines him as a player. What defines him as a player is his seam recognition, his ability to adaptively recognize options on a goalie as a goalie is looking to move and then get set on him. That's what is truly the unique gift of this player. He is so calculated and so poised, and he can he can time and recognize a shooting option at a level that's extremely rare. He's going to destroy. He's going to destroy teams in the, in the, on the power play because of that. He's well, gonna... he, the, the way he does it, it's like the opposite of Ovechkin. 
Yeah. Right? Ovechkin is just going to power right through you, right? Mitchkov is the opposite. Mitchkov is going to outthink you, right? What's fascinating is you, you, I'm saying he's outthinking, he's very cerebral, and he is, but this is where the drawback comes into play. And I wonder how much of this will be in his game long term. This is the question mark. His playmaking this season was not very good. His leading passes were not very consistent, and he didn't see the ice as well as we had previously seen, right? So what we had to do as a staff is we actually went back and watched him the last two years because it was not something brought up in our discussions or something we discussed saying, hey, he's not a dual threat. He's a singular shot. Like this, this was the Cole Caulfield debate in his draft year. Does yeah. Cole Caulfield have enough playmaking in him so he's more than a one-trick Type Bony. of option, right? It, yeah. it, so, so with Mitchkov, it was all over the map this year. But then you 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 go backwards, and it didn't seem to be as much of a problem. So, does that lead to the fact that he's forcing plays a little bit, or he was having a bit of trouble with his adaptability to the KHL just in this first year? We don't know. But it's again, these are the factors that staffs had to take into consideration. We're not the only people who saw this, right? Um, then you look at his off puck instincts, and they're some of the best in the draft. He is phenomenal at timing. Uh, and recognizing when he needs to turn on the jets and get into soft ice and time that soft ice. Um, the, the way he operates, too, in, in terms of just how he sets up some of his offense is very interesting and unique. So he's when, he, when he's on his forehand, he uses a ton of extended lateral dragging moves before pulling to his backhand. Um, the, but again, they were ineffective at times because he was not being able to make those leading passes on his backhand at the rates you would theoretically think he should be able to and what we had seen for previous seasons. So there, there's just... My point in bringing all of this up is on the surface, everybody's like, oh, most dynamic player, Russian Bedard, unbelievable goal scorer, can shoot from everywhere, score from everywhere, best really intelligent player. That's not the you, – you, you peel back the layers, and there's a very different puzzle to unfold here in terms of trying to understand what he is. Um, but that said, at seventh overall, I mean, you can't go wrong, right? Like no. You're talking about a home run pick. You're talking about one of the most gifted, naturally gifted players I've ever seen in terms of how he thinks offense at times, despite being more limited with his vision this season. Um, and despite, you know, it's one of those situations where I get that you need speed. I get it. But not every player no. needs to be that fast if they're that intelligent and if they're that poised. And he's an unbelievably poised player. Let's talk about Oliver Bonk at number 22 defenseman from the London Knights uh, thoughts on him. He was um, he had some range in terms of what people thought about him too, as well as like late first to late second. It was like, he was really in that range of, uh, I think people were debating whether he's a three or is he a five or somewhere in the middle. And that's to be re- remains to be seen because it was just a, there were, I give him credit. It was a big jump junior. And then going to the London Knights and, you know, taking on a heavy load, particularly after Christmas. I thought his game started to ramp up. Yeah, so Bonk, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a couple of different ways to think about this player. There's there's the group who say uh, rigid, too rigid mechanically. Uh, his handling is rigid. His skating is rigid. Uh, just, just how he moves. He's not a very athletically gifted defender. And so immediately the red flags go off. Right. Then there's the other group who go, he's too cerebral, too calculated, too intelligent, too poised, anticipates the play too well, uh, and, and passes the puck at a rate that that mitigates a lot of the concerns with the athletic the lack of an athletic base and the overall rigidity. So the, the way the way we looked at it as a staff, this is one of Mark Edwards' favorite players in this class, and uh, an opportunity to go to London. Um, I got an opportunity to see the, see the kid in person, see, see his build, see everything. I didn't get to go to the combines, but I did get to see him. And it, it's very evident 
uh, as Hunter pointed out to me, that the kid needs a lot of time to grow into his frame, right? So, so the hope is it's very similar to David Reinbacker, which yeah. I discuss in the book. David Reinbacker is not uh, filled out either. Reinbacker has a ton of room to grow. So does Bonk. And so what that means is there's another level of coordination that should be able to be drawn out in, his, in their game over time that we haven't seen this season. That's what Mark Edwards was banking on. If he can get that level of coordination to another degree functionally, if he can improve his skating base, which he theoretically should be able to, as most players can, we just mentioned a couple that yeah. might not be able to, but most can, then you're looking at a very useful uh, player that has a, a low event game. Low yeah. event, but high impact, if that makes sense. So does the right things at the right times, you don't notice them, but you don't notice them for the right reasons. And that's very similar to Drew Hellison. Right. I like Drew Hellison a lot in his draft year. Uh, and, and he was a perfect example of a player. You don't notice him, and that's a good thing. You want him to be uh, the, the chaos equalizer, meaning when the game is getting a little crazy, a little chaotic out there, he settles it right back down. That is all over Bonk's game. Let's talk about Car- uh, Carson Bjarnason. Uh One of the funnest players to talk about and talk to at the combine as well, you know, super energetic, um, fun personality, you know, super positive, but self-aware. Like he understood, he goes, one of the things he he brought up to me in our conversation, he goes, you know, I just physically ran out of gas coming down the stretch, like really kind of end of February into March. He goes, I just wasn't in good enough shape to hold. He goes, I just felt like I was a little bit sluggish down the, down the end. And he goes, and this summer I'm going to correct that. Because if I can correct that, that's going to make up for it. I just started, you know, losing a little bit of mental focus because I just was, I felt that I was really tired a lot in, you know, in those circumstances sometimes. It, he said more in the back-to-back or on long road trips, he just sort of ran out of gas. So I give him credit for recognizing that because, you know, some players, they'll say, no, I'm fine. And they just sort of ignore the signs that what they really need to improve on. Yeah, he, he falls in the Rabel category. I think this happened to Rabel as well, where you got a bigger goalie, who just not fully conditioned in their initial draft year. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's a lot that's of okay. goalies. He's 18. It's, it's a lot of goalies. So, yeah, yeah um, Carson Bjornesson is a very talented goalie. Uh, stylistically, and I emphasize stylistically, not in terms of upside to me, or to, he, there is some yes for Wallstead in him. He reads the play extremely well, um, but he's not the most athletically gifted goalie. So there, there's one of those situations where you just mentioned that when, he slowed down. He was calculating the play. He was a little off with his calculations. That's going to really affect a goalie like him because he can't be over-reliant on his athletic gifts like Adam Guyan and Damian Clara and to uh, and to Mike Rabel. Right? Those players are unbelievable athletes. So it gives them that fallback option. Bjornsson's not a bad athlete by any stretch. He's just not an elite athlete like those three are. Right. So it's one of those situations where uh, he has to become a more consistent goalie because when he's on. He's really on. Then he looks like a bonafide NHL starter. It's just, <laughs> this is what makes it so difficult to project for any goalie. And that's so much of it is based off of uh, the mental evaluation, right? They have the, the, the smallest margin for error. And it's incredibly difficult to try to interpret the maturity level of that player in five years. These are kids yeah. who are going to develop 20. It, it makes for the goaltending position. It's incredibly difficult. You know, I'll say this about the goaltending in general. Um, when you're, when you're scouting, you typically want to f- draft players that are younger because then you can grab them and put them in your development system faster and, 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 and be first on them in a sense. Um, 
overagers are they typically get drafted much later in drafts as a result of that. However, with goalies, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's really advantageous to see a kid when he's 19, 20, because you have a way better base of understanding what he actually is. And that just speaks to the position. But yeah. uh, it was a, I thought it was a good pick. Uh, I really like the kid. I, I really hope he makes. We're going to take a quick break on Hockey Prospect Radio, and we'll talk about the New Jersey Devils right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back on Hockey Prospect Radio, our 2023 NHL draft review of the Metro Division, powered by Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's news developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. We're now going to talk about the New Jersey Devils draft. They uh, traded a lot away, a lot of their picks away. You know, they're going to go for a run. So no first, no third, no seventh. So let's talk about their second overall pick, 58th overall, in Lenny uh, Haminajo. Uh, thoughts on him? We talked about him a little bit prior to the draft, obviously, U18s um, and into the draft as well. So thoughts on him as a draft pick at 58th overall? Uh, well, I'm, I'm in the minority. I'm a scout who uh, really likes uh, shutdown wingers. So that's what he is. Me too, man. You got to have them. I don't okay. know. Adam Sikor is the world. Lenny Haminaho is the world. I'm Me all too. Uh, I really appreciate erratic Fax's style of game. You know, don't worry, I prefer them at center like Fax is. 
but I'll take a shutdown wing or two if they're that good at it. Um, and that and that's the case. So so one thing with shutdown wingers, let's just discuss uh, why I think they project to have more value in the new NHL in the coming years. When you have, uh, well, at, a couple of years ago, five, six years ago, you sort of seen that trend where a lot of teams were starting to take a lot more risk with smaller defensemen that were much more offensively oriented, which means you had to sacrifice some defense. Now you're seeing that switch back. And you're seeing a lot of larger defense again who are excelling in the playoffs and it's just much harder to play against them and range is extraordinarily useful for defending, right? Um, that said, there are still a lot of dynamic players off at, at the forward position as well especially as the defense. The, especially on the wing especially on the wing, that require insulation, right? Cole Caulfield needs insulation. Matthew Mitchkov's going to need insulation. We just talked about Mitchkov. Lenny Hamin-Aho projects to be a winger that can really insulate a line. He is an incredibly intelligent player. He is, his off-puck off awareness is right at the top of this class. It's, it's elite. He does not have – this is where things fall a little flat relative to Adam Sikora, who I projected as this player type. Adam Score is a gifted skater. He was one of the youngest players yeah. in the draft. And Lenny's that is an, that, and Lenny's the opposite. Lenny's one of the oldest players in this draft, and he is a very, very uncoordinated skater. So it's all about the head. It's all about the mind. He is a brilliant two, three-step ahead type of player. His ability to use his stick instincts with his frame are at the top end of this class. When we talk about physicality, it is a secondary component to most players' games. It will not be for Lenny Hamina. No, no. He has a, to be yeah. a m remarkable leveraging his advantages. And I know for some people you might be like, well, it's something that you can learn. Uh, I come from a collegiate wrestling background. I absolutely promise you there are people that have way better natural innate instincts for understanding how to use their frame and manipulate and use their leverages to their advantage. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And, and you can say, well, you can develop it. Yes, you can, but it's like anything else. It's to a degree. Yeah. Right. Some people are just unbelievably brilliant and second nature at understanding how to win a board battle. Lenny Haminao is exactly that. He, he has everything going against him. He was in league of the whole season. He can't skate and it didn't matter. And that, that screams to this player's ability to outthink intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. His intelligence is off the charts. Now, the other component you have to take into factor, Lenny, I mean, now is, well, okay, intelligence is, well, I, you know, this, this drives me crazy. Everybody goes, well, what's the most important attribute uh, to break down? There's no such thing. Okay, I guess you could theoretically say it's talent because it doesn't matter what else. If there's not enough talent to play, the rest doesn't matter. So, okay, talent's the first thing. But with just talent, no player's playing anyways. Well, so what, is that, and what does that mean? That's an, over, right, that's that an overarching so – like, what does that mean? Yeah, like, there's, it, it, there's, there's 20 different attributes it. inside of that. That's nonsense. It drives me crazy to see it. So, so when I'm, what, the reason I'm bringing this up is because the way Lenny has to work is that he has to – he has to outthink his opponents, but then he has to have a component that allows him to still translate to at least two degree. What is the primary components? One, he handles the puck better than he should considering his posture is terrible. So – even with bad posture, he's found a way to make it work. That's what this player does. He just finds ways to make things work. And the other factor is that he's actually a pretty gifted playmaker. So when you look at him, if you show, if I showed you just one basic shift of him, you think nothing of him. But the whole is way is way more than the parts, right? I think, it, I think just, I'm glad you brought that up with playmaking because I think that's going to help him in terms of using the give and go and creating some time and space for himself. Because of even if he's an average skater, that playmaking when they have the puck, 
is going to help him. You know, it's going to help him get to a position where he needs to be. He understands where he needs to be and using the puck to help make the play faster instead of using his feet. And I think that's he's, going to be the difference. He's a player maker. that thrives in structure because he needs his teammates to be in the right positions yep. for him because he can't be reliant on the skating base and at times even his handling. I did say he can handle the puck, but that, again, to a degree, like the posture is not there uh, and it really does affect his game. If if he can develop in New Jersey's system and New Jersey can really modify aspects of his skating, then you might really get something. Um, that said, like, this is a player, his first year of draft eligibility, he had 20 points in league. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That is a remarkable, a, a remarkable season. That's very successful. Now, when you break those points down, are all of them highlight real points? Are all of them? No. But they're, yeah, they're, who cares? As long as they're functional, do they translate to the NHL? They're very functional. That's right. the difference. They're very functional. This is a kid who thinks the game at a rate that I think puts him over the top. I love this pick. Um, but I also, again, admittedly, he is a shutdown winger, so I get it. It's not like the most exciting player type. Who cares? Um, but I think he's a very unique player. He, for me, easily one of the top five, six players for me that I'm looking forward to watching and monitoring their development to see what happens with them over time. What I'm interested in is seeing how much Sergey Breland is going to be able to influence his game and help him. Because Sergey Breland was a very, very good two-way winger defensively. Like he could shut guys down and thought at a similar way as Lenny did. So I think there's there's an opportunity there for a coach to kind of glom onto a player and go, okay, if we can fix these two things, just improve them boy, I think this is what you can mold yourself into. Uh, you know, from that respect, I think that's really fascinating. Uh, Brad and I are going to have to take a short break. We come back, we're going to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes prospects in this draft class right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at FractalHockey.com. 
outside edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on and off ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hockey Prospect Radio and our 2023 NHL Draft Review of the Metro Division, powered by Outside Edge Hockey Player Development for on and off ice training, featuring KPI-based conditioning programs at OutsideEdge.ca. Let's talk about the Carolina Hurricanes draft. Uh, for whatever reason, both you and I seem to really like what Carolina does. Uh, particularly the last three, four years that we've been talking about the draft. You know, I think we like similar players and where they're not necessarily the players, but also where they're slotted and where they're drafted and talking about the risk uh, evaluation of those players and those players being able to be in positions where they're going to take longer to get to the NHL. And that's okay. Four years. It's great. So let's start about Bradley Nadeau. And there was a little bit of like hush in the, in the arena when he was drafted, because I think a lot of people didn't think he was going to go there. But if you look at his remarkable skill sets and the fact he's going to go to college, he's a player that, you know, if you're drafted in the late first round, they don't have to play right away. There's no reason. It doesn't matter. So he can play three years at the University of Maine and there's no rush. There's no rush to bring him in. So for me, that set, that sets him up to greater percentage and probability of success because he doesn't have to be a two and done or a one and done player in college. Yeah. So for us, we had him early twenties. I know Mark Howards loved him. Jerome Ruby loved him. I was a big fan. Um, what's interesting about this pick is the, it, there is a presentable risk here. Uh, I'll do a real breakdown of the BCHL when we get to Ottawa to discuss the risk of taking kids from the BCHL, what that means. But uh, one thing to note about Bradley Nadeau, and the reason you shouldn't be surprised he went where he did, one of the most dynamic shooters in this class. What I mean by that is he's dynamic off the rush. He knows how to shoot in stride. He knows how to manipulate his shooting angle. He can suddenly shift his angle. He, he can shoot in a multitude of ways. He's extraordinarily dangerous from his wheelhouse. He was just, just decimating the BCHL yeah. on a power play. Just just ruining it. So uh, that's the homer. That's the the bread and butter of this player. That's that's what he is, is a gifted, gifted shooter. He is very raw. So even the BCHL, uh, Jerome, Jerome Barubi and myself, we, we were starting to get worried about it. So we started tracking. It's like, how many small area handling plays successfully actually made this this season? Like, what's going on here? It's like we I had none in my notes. You know, I take, I take tons of notes. I had none. I was like, this is so strange. So we started watching them, and it never really developed. It's not there yet. So the, the small. But you also didn't handling, have to do that. That's part of that, it. That's part of it. It's BCHL. Yeah. You get validated by doing things the wrong way sometimes, and then I'll save some of that for the Ottawa statement. But that's. You got to be super careful when you're drafting out of the BCHL. That said, I like this pick a lot because Bradley Nadeau, uh, and this falls into what we talked about the Ader Sineev as well, which is that 
They're both extremely competitive. They absolutely dominated that league, but they dominated it from start to end without taking their foot off the gas. They never they, let they, up. They stomped on necks. When they were they, up, they, they, they just kept coming. That's what you want to see. The drive is there. The shooting ability is there. And the offensive instincts are there. The skating got better as the season progressed. He still definitely needs to get a lot a, a lot thicker, more filled out. Hopefully it gets another level to his to his skating base in, in general. And he definitely has to improve his small area play and his puck protection skill set. He has to improve his puck management dramatically, which is not unexpected at all when you're dealing with the BCHL player. Sure. That's true of any dynamic player coming from there. Um, and then if that happens, then Carolina might end up with a phenomenal second line, 30 goals Right. And then so you say if that's lot, if that's what they get down the stretch, that's a heck of a pick. What's fascinating about the pick, though, is Carolina reversed what you typically see. So we saw we talked about with Washington. You get Leonard, one of the safest picks in the draft. Then you take the swing. Carolina already started taking swings. Why could they do that? Well, they had a ton of picks and they already have a ton of depth within their development systems. Right. And they know one of the other advantages. Where's Bradley Nago going? He's going to Maine. Right. And Maine isn't a top echelon university team in hockey East. So, you know, he's going to play top minutes, top minutes on the power play. He's going to get top minutes against the best lines. He's going to be in a position that is going to force him to improve in a lot of the areas that you discussed. It's one of the things I really look at closely is where they're going and what opportunities present themselves. Is there an opportunity for him to improve the, the things that, you know, he could get away with in the BC Hockey League that he's not going to get away with Hockey East. So I found that really interesting. We should talk about uh, Felix Unger-Sorum, a second, uh, second round, 62nd overall. Uh, chat about him briefly as well, because I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts. We talked about him going into the draft. So he's a guy that we, you know, both had targeted pretty closely. Yeah, Felix Unger-Sorum is one of the youngest players in this class. Uh, he is extremely gifted, dual threat. A uh, very, very deceptive player. It's incredibly difficult to read him. He does not telegraph basically anything. That is the foundation of this player. And it's uh, through necessity. He's small and he can't skate very well. And so small players who can't skate very well, they better be hard to read. And that's exactly what he is. And the youngest so, player in the draft. He doesn't right. turn 18 until September 14th. That's it. So and I'm sure that's what you got four banking. years to work this guy through before he comes up. So... Like, I like the fact that all their prospects have this long runway of development. So you're looking at him at what does he look like when he's, you know, comes into the league at 22, right? That changes the whole dynamic. He's got four years to get better. Well, he dominated J20 despite his age. That's very rare. Yeah. It's, it's pretty impressive how, how good he was for Lex. It's like he, he really stood out very consistently. Uh, if his skating can come a long way, then it could be a home run pick. He, he legitimately has enough skill to play in the top nine, uh, maybe higher than that, and he could be a power play option as well. He's a, he's a very gifted kid. It's just – it's all about the toolkit. The reason he fell is the toolkit. Simple as that. He's just – he's small, can't skate very well. The the only – like if he was an over uh, – if he was uh, one of the older players in this class, if he had a late birthday, I don't think he'd go anywhere near as high as he did. It's oh, the God, fact no. that he, he has that much work. three rounds. Yeah, he'll drop. He would drop a lot. It's the fact he has that much room to grow. So I'm sure Carolina is banking on the fact they can get the skating to the to necessary level. Sure, and with four years, you have that time. Like he, he could easily play two years, if not three, in Sweden, and then come over and play a year in the American League, and then you have a better understanding of what you really have. So you know, it's the ability to you know play, move up to Allsvenskan. You know, the ability to play maybe that again. 
Then, you know, we're in the Swedish Elite League. Gets a year under his belt, then he goes to the American League. And then four years past draft, you have better understanding of what you really have. And I think, you know, you look at Jaden Perron as another example of, you know, third round pick, 94th overall. Everybody, a lot of people out in the public sphere were really high on him. I'm like, small player, lots of skill, not the greatest skater. So, like, you're talking about, once again, is how many of those players play in the NHL? And he's going to University of North Dakota. He's another guy who I think needs three years. Like, the same as, you know, Bradley Nadeau. I think he needs three years in college before he can go into the American League because either, like, that skating has to improve or he's just going to have a hard time creating time and space for himself. There, there's this, that's the thing that Carolina's draft is that just the development windows are long, right? Um, right. And, but high upside boomer bust picks. So Jaden Perron, right. yeah, to your point, average skater, very small. So how do you identify an average skater who's small who can play relative to one that doesn't? So a couple factors. One, talent level. He's a remarkable talent. Extraordinarily gifted player. He's a top 20 talent all day in this class. Okay, so check mark off that. Second component, he has to be a primary playmaker. Can't skate well. You got to pass the puck a ton. He's a primary playmaker. Okay, check two. This is where things get more interesting. Can he absorb contact to make a play? He does. He he's not afraid. He is yeah. willing to take a hit to make a play. Okay, check mark again. Most component, more most important component that's not discussed enough, not weighted nearly to the degree it needs to be for a smaller player. Ability to use teammates as pick and roll options to create more time and space for himself, so he doesn't have to be over reliant on the skating when already established. Himself. Yeah. That along with the game That's go, I agree. 100%. The foundation. Yeah. The foundation of the player is how he operates and uses pick and roll options to his to his success. He is brilliant at it. That's why I have time for him. That's why I had him as a third round pick. I also had him as a third round pick. Um, I think that it's one of those situations where I think some staffs um, are mandated to basically cross off Jaden Prawns off lists. Small, can't skate well, put an X through him. I think I think it's very important to make sure you peel back some layers and, and try to differentiate a bit between uh, between these smaller players. I think Jaden Prawn is a perfect example of things go right where he can make a lot of teams look bad down the road. And again, when you look at Carolina and what they did, they, they had a ton of picks. They already had a couple dra- draft picks before they took Prawn. It's not like they took him too high, right? I, I think yeah. where they picked him, it made a lot of sense. You know, one of the things I'm also interested in, if you're trying to project him out, is you, you that type of player, you don't want him to go against first pairing D. And ideally, not always second. But if you can match him up against third pairing with that type of skill set on a third line wing, uh, like the offensive winger on a third line, that's where, I, and I, with some guys who can actually move, like skate really well, that's where I think he can end up exploiting other teams is it's all about matchups. How can you match up his skill set against some other other organizations in terms of their roster construction? So you want to keep him away for first pair. You want to get him on, like, offensive zone starts if you can. Get him on a secondary power play, play unit and insulate him on a third line with those guys who can skate and have some defensive ability because – He's so off. He's so offensively gifted that he can take advantage of a third pairing or sometimes a third line in that respect. So I look at that from that standpoint. We should also talk about Alexander Rykov. Both you and I uh, thought highly of him and thought he could potentially be a value pick. And he went uh, in the fourth round at a hundredth overall. In twenty twenty one, I said Matthew Nyes was the best pick in the class. Last year, I said Nikita Gribyankin was the best pick in the class. 
Right now, Matthew Nyes is tracking to be a top six power forward. We had him 12 hockey prospect. We loved him. Yeah. Nikita Grabyonkin, I, uh, I eat ice cream so I can get heavy enough so that <laughs> when I need to throw myself through the table to make a point to my staff, I can. I threw myself through the table for Nikita Grabyonkin. I said he was the most underrated talent in the class. Nobody had him publicly. I had no idea if he was going to draft him. I said, I guarantee you that that's a top 40 player in this class. Um, I managed to convince Mark to get him, I believe, 45 on our list. He just won KHL Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Right. So I, I'm not always right. I will always bring up my misses. I'm going to bring up a ton of them when we get to Ottawa when discussing the BCHL, but I've had, I've been okay here the last couple of years at this. So I will bring this up right now. Alex Rykov at hundred overall is the best pick in this class. This player, I cannot believe how far it fell. I get it. He was injured half the season. When you look at his peak performances in the VHL, they were absolutely bonafide A-rated performances. To me, he's an A-rated prospect. I think he's one of the best 200-foot players in this class. I think there's considerably more upside than some people do. He's a gifted handler. He's an incredibly intelligent player. He's a hybrid player if molded correctly, meaning he has power elements, but his frame at this time doesn't allow him to play that inside game to the degree that I think he theoretically will be down the road. He's one of the most athletically gifted players in this class. He has a remarkably advanced facility skill set, which we discussed the significance of when breaking down Fatillion Leonard. He falls into that category. I think Carolina hit the absolute home run of this class. I am amazed how far he fell and if i'm wrong i will be the first to bring him up on this segment and discuss how uh how i blew it that's um, fine because uh you and i are going to be sitting in the same pot of boiling oil because i had him 40th i just saw the athleticism and the intelligence i'm like second round i'm okay with that pick the advantage of why carolina could do these things is because that's so many multiple picks seconds and thirds and the fourth i'm surprised you went for and so i mean as much and we agree like there's some of the some of the players that you talk about grabonk in last year i even took him in my hockey pool my keeper league because i had one pick i'm like ah nobody's gonna take him no one knows who he is i'm gonna like i'm gonna take him and then probably four or five years later it's gonna look really really smart and everyone once in a while you know the blind squirrel finds a nut so we'll see how that plays out uh we should take a quick break we come back We'll talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins draft right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. 
through an integrated series of best business practices, and we designed solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hockey Prospect Radio in our 2023 NHL Draft Review of the Metro Division uh, by Outside Edge Hockey Player Development for on and off ice training featuring KPI-based conditioning programs at OutsideEdge.ca. We're going to chat briefly about the Pittsburgh Penguins draft uh, right off the hop. It's Brennan Yeager, 14th overall. So I don't think either one, you or I, had any problem with him drafting him at that spot. And if you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins farm system, they ne- they desperately needed a skilled forward because there's not really much in their system in terms of a guy who can bring what Brennan Yeager can bring to their organization. So for me, it's it was a pretty much an, a no-brainer. There was a bunch of guys in that range that you could have taken, but I understand why they took him there. Yeah, if they took him there, it means one thing, uh, and, and that's a very important thing, and that's they think he's a center. Yeah. 100% he's a center long term. Um, I think that's open for debate. That's where, you, like, if you see him further down on lists, probably because they think he's a winger long term. If you see him higher on lists, like Pittsburgh had him, it's probably because he's, he's a center, center long term. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, in their favor, he was playing center the entire season. Um, this is a th- this player's curve was a roller coaster. So, Heading into the season, he was expected to be a potential top 10 pick. No question. Unbelievable skater. Uh, reminds me a lot of Yakov Rana off a of rush. Mm. So just a yeah. super explosive skater. A Jordan Cairo would be another right. uh, player cop here. Not as creative or gifted a handler as Cairo, but when you look at, at just the explosive skating and just how dangerous they can be in transition, there's some Vrana Cairo stylistically anyways. Um, to start the season – it seemed like he didn't even know what defending was. <laughs> so there, there's there's two different types of players. There's players that know how to defend but don't want to do it, and then there's players who just can't read it. It was starting to get very worrisome. We thought it was a, the a case that he just didn't want to do it. But then towards November, it was like, I don't know if he knows what he's doing out there anymore. But then you saw a, sur- a resurgence in him. So I don't really know what happened there, but his off-puck play was incredibly uh, Inconsistent. Worrisome. It yeah. was very inconsistent, to say the least. Um, so he looked more like a flashing dash complimentary piece, essentially. However, as the year progressed and leaned into the playoffs, he started becoming a, a much more calculated 200-foot player who started be showing a much more competitive uh, aspect to his game. They increased his gear, increased his pacing, increased his battle level, increased his overall effort, and he started winning battles. He started really showing that he cared. And and then that that's that's where he started, uh, I think, really standing out to some teams. So uh, one of the most gifted shooters in this class, uh, but it's interesting because 
I say that from a mechanical perspective, his goal scoring rates were not very good this year. So how does that occur? One of the main reasons that can occur is if he's um, telegraphs too often what his intention is. That is one of the issues with this player. I, I talked to him about he's that at the, on his shot at the combine, and he was actually he decided that he needed to be more of a dual threat, and he and he was really cognizant of his playmaking ability because he knew, oh, I'm a pretty good shooter, but I really got to round this out. So he was kind of like, I kind of overemphasized the shooting in my first year, and I kind of overemphasized my passing in this year, and next year I'm going to try to blend all that together. Like he yeah. talked about it, which I thought was really interesting. It's an excellent point by him. It's good that he observed it, right? That's yeah. what you want to see in a player is observe where he needs to be. And that's a, it, it's a very difficult balancing act for a kid in their initial draft season to, to really optimize their play so that they pass at the right time and shoot at the right time at a very high level, right? There, there's a lot of variation usually within a draft season for a kid who shoots too much or passes too much. Uh, so you're right. Jaeger, the one thing that I'll say about his playmaking is although it was very inconsistent at times, when he was on with it, that's when he really did look like a center. Yeah. So if he can draw that out, become extremely consistent over time, then I think he remains a center long-term because the two-way game started to form by the end of the season. Um, the shooting rates should also improve just because he's so mechanically gifted and so fast off a rush. And he's going to get stronger yeah. too. He's he's a little bit of a light yeah. kid at his yeah, frame. Yeah, for sure. So um, very high upside pick in some respects, but more I would I would argue a lot more considerable risk than some of those other players taken around him. So uh, his office Dubas and staff there didn't mind taking risks to try to get a, a big reward. Well, certainly in that respect, he's going to have two more years in Moose Jaw as well. So he's going to play full four se- full full seasons. And a bit of like 24 games, obviously, in the COVID year, he got 24 games and, you know, as a 16-year-old. So for me, think about all the games he's going to have accumulated. For me, it's really important for players coming out of the CHL, you got to be over 200 games. You have to be. I would prefer actually 240 if you can. Games played matters. So if you look at his playoff games, he's got 20 there. He had 130 games the last two years. So he's really he's at 150 already, plus the 24 games. He's at 175. Think about that. He does two more seasons. He might be hitting 300 plus playoffs. So to me, it's just going to give him more time to be able to round out his game before he has to go into Wilkes-Barre in the American Hockey League. I think that's an advantage for him in that respect, his games played, because you can really hyper-focus on things you want to develop. And he has the track like a longer track, even though it's two years, he accumulated all those games played. And I think that's really important for his development. How many times have we seen CHL players after three years go in the American League and just get run over? Like it was like, just get run over. I talked to, uh, to Lind about that second round pick of the Vancouver uh, Canucks. And he's just like, wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. It was a shock to the system in the first 30 games. So that really sort of blew him up. Um, so uh, this has been another edition of Hockey Prospect Radio on Series XM NHL Network Radio, powered by Instat Hockey and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Fractal Hockey Consulting, and Outside Edge Player Development. You can listen to our show on your favorite podcast network or the Series XM app. Or on, on YouTube, you can follow us on Twitter at HP Radio and HockeyProspectRadio.com. Thank you to Brad, and we will see you at the rink.